Thank you for joining us for the True Life Fellowship Church podcast. Here is today's message from Pastor Devon Alexander. Open your Bibles to James chapter 4 and meet me at verse 8. James chapter 4 and verse 8. And James, the epistle, the, 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 the brother, the elder, says this unto us. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. I want to see it in the Passion Translation as well. The Passion Translation, James chapter 4 and verse 8. It says, move your heart closer and closer to God, and he will come even closer and closer to you. The Lord spoke to us this year and said that 2024, we are to pray more in 24. Say that. Pray more in 24. This is what the Lord spoke to our our community, that we're to pray more, fellowship more, commune more, spend time with God more this year than we ever have before. Last week, we talked about 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, that we have been created a new creature in Christ Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And we have divided the spirit, soul, and body. You are a spirit which has been created new when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. On the inside of you, your spirit became a species of being that has never existed before. You have a soul which consists of your mind, your will, and your emotions. It is your thinker, your chooser and your feeler, and it is your soul that needs to be taught the Word of God so that it can come agreement with what your spirit already knows about God. And we live in this body. You know, some of us are tall. Some of us are short. We're different colors. uh, We're different ages, whatever the case may be. And each of these uh, functions actually has a voice on the inside of us. The, The voice of our spirit is our conscience. The voice of our spirit, that's who you are. You are a spirit being. You are created in the image of God, and the voice of your spirit is your conscience. The voice of your soul is reasoning. This is when you begin to pull out the calculator and begin to crunch numbers and begin to reason and overthink, and this is where anxiety happens, and this is where worry and fear and concern happen because you start reasoning, and that is the voice of the soulless realm, which is reason, and the voice of the body is feeling. You, this is how I feel, and, and, and this hurts, and and this is, um, I don't feel like getting out of bed, and, and I don't feel like going to work, and I don't feel like working out, and, and I feel, I feel, I feel. And all three of these voices are on the inside of you. Have you heard these three voices all at one time? Your conscience telling you something, your soul telling you something, and your body telling you something. So when people say, I'm hearing voices, you are. And they all are comprised of you. You're hearing voices, but the most important voice that we are to adhere to and to listen to is the voice of our spirit, and our spirit is created in the image of God. And one of the things that became new is the Holy Spirit came when you gave your life to Jesus to live, dwell, and reside on the inside of you. So what's new now is you didn't have the Holy Spirit before, and now you have the Holy Spirit. And last week, we talked about Christ lives in me. Say that. Christ lives in me. Say, the Holy Spirit dwells in me. Say, God resides in me. This is the revelation of the new creation. In Christ, God is not floating around somewhere. He's actually living on the inside of you and I. He is dwelling. He has chosen to reside on the inside of each and every one of us that call Jesus Lord. Now, God is omnipresent, meaning that he is always everywhere at the same time. That's so cool. To I can't even wrap my mind around it, that he is always everywhere at the same time, but he doesn't manifest at the same way always everywhere at the same time. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't illuminate himself 
everywhere at the same time, always, only in places that give him the, uh, uh, how can I say it, the permission to manifest himself. Only the areas that honor him and revere him and worship him and acknowledge him does he manifest at a greater degree than in other places. What I need for you to understand about prayer is prayer is fellowship, prayer is communication, prayer is communion with God, but prayer is also inviting God to invade our earthly affairs. God gave this world to humanity. The reason why the world is in the condition it's in today is not because God doesn't exist. It's not because God doesn't care. It's because he delegated the responsibility of the affairs in this earth to humanity. And humanity is making decisions about where we are headed and what we are doing. Let me give you an example. You know, there are people all over the world that are starving to death. And what what unsaved people tend to do or even religious people tend to do is they tend to say, well, if God really loved us, then these people wouldn't starve to death. Do you know how much food is being thrown away right now? Uh, I can't remember the exact numbers. I wish my daughter's eye was here, but she was telling me at her college, it was something like a ton of food a month or something like that was getting thrown away. And so you have people over here that are starving and you got food being thrown away. How is that God's fault? Somebody is making a decision to get rid of the food that could be a blessing to someone else. You can't blame God for that. You got to blame decision makers for that. You got to blame people that are controlling the, <laughs> the, the, the food and the allotment of food. You got to blame those people. And you got to look at yourself and say, what can I do to help? What can I do to facilitate food going to starving, hungry people? And so God doesn't manifest everywhere, always at the same time, unless he is honored, he is revered, and he is acknowledged and also asked to intervene into earthly affairs, specifically in your individual life. You have to invite God into your individual lives so that then his kingdom will reign in your life. His will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We have to pray that because God's will is not being done on the earth. So we got to pray, Lord, come, be, tell me what to do, lead me, guide me, show me. I need to know what to do because you have given this earth to humanity and we need your influence. Come on, somebody say, I need thee. Say it like you mean it. I need thee. That's prayer right there, just simply acknowledging that you have him. He's here. But, Lord, I need you in a greater way. I need to see you in a, in a bigger way. I need to uh, recognize your presence in a way I never have before. I need you. And Jesus said that he will manifest himself unto us. And so as we talk about prayer and as we talk about communion with God, what I really want to do is challenge you individually in your prayer life. I know a lot of times when we say we're going to pray, the first thing people say, when I say pray more in 24, generally speaking, the first thing people say is corporate prayer. When we're going to, we're going to do some corporate prayer and we're going to pray all night long and everybody come and it's going to be corporate prayer. And I'm like, what about individual prayer? What about you praying privately? What about you praying individually? I'm not opposed to corporate prayer, but that seems to be our crutch. Corporate prayer, and we're going to pray. That means every night from 7 to 10, we're going to pray corporately. No, you just pray all day without ceasing. And you pray, and you commune with God and you fellowship with God, and you get to know God in a greater way, and you'll begin to see him more. He'll begin to show you things more. You'll begin to have more answers. You'll have more solutions. You'll know what to do. He'll begin to lead, guide, and direct you if you would just simply commit to pray more. 
I recently read a stat that um, only 20% of Americans acknowledge that they even pray. All right? Only 20%. And of that 20%, the, the average time praying is less than seven minutes. And females pray more than males of that 20%. The majority of prayers are by females than they are by males. There's a lot of reasons I can get into about that, but I'm not going to do that today. I want to challenge each and every one of us to pray more. And one of the ways, we said it last week, and I'll say it again, it's acknowledging that God lives in me. God lives in you. The Holy Spirit lives in you. That acknowledgement in and of itself is the beginning of prayer. He's not distant. He is near. He's not far. He's here, and he lives in me. That is the first acknowledgement or the first step at the beginning of praying more. All throughout the last couple of weeks, I've just been saying that. God lives in me. He lives in me. Uh, I'm driving in a car. The Holy Spirit resides in me. I'm taking a shower. He lives in me. I'm getting ready to have a meeting with someone. He lives with me. Someone's upset, and I got to meet with them because they're sad and they're upset. God lives in me. And that, that acknowledgement is the beginning of prayer. But today I want us to go a little further, and I've shared this a little bit in the past, but the Lord told me to share this again. I want to give you a template of prayer. I want to lay out for you how I engage in prayer, and I want you to follow this template just to get you going, just to kickstart something, just to kind of get your juices flowing, get a little sweat going, you know what I mean? I want to give you something that you can start in this year of praying more in 24. And one of the things I came up with under the unction of the Holy Spirit is this word start, and start being an acronym. And the first letter of the word start is the letter S, and I want that letter for you to be the word silence. So you're getting ready to pray, and you're getting ready to draw nearer to God so he can draw nearer to you. And maybe you need to wake up a little sooner. Maybe you need to stay uh, up a little later. Maybe you need to go to the car on a break. Maybe you need to uh, step away for a period of time. But in this drawing near to God, as he is drawing near to you, you're going to have to be intentional about this. This is not going to be something that happens accidentally. You're going to have to be intentional about it. And the first thing I want you to do is simply be silent. The S B being silent. And I believe it's Psalms 46, chapter, Psalm chapter 46, verse 10, says it this way. Well, I'll quote it before it comes on the screen. It says, be still and know that I am God. Be still. So that S is silent, so you can say still. Be still and know. So that means you're going to have to pause. You're going to have to stop And you're going to have to be still and know that I am God. And so when you wake up earlier or go to to your car for lunch or whatever it is that that you set the time, and I encourage you to wake up early. There's something about spending time with the Lord the first thing in the morning. There's just something precious about it. I feel like I get more done when I wake up sooner spending time with the Lord than when I wake up late. With having kids in the home, the way I I think about it is, I feel like if I wake up before the kids, I'm on offense. But if I wake up after the children, I'm on defense the whole day. I just just feel that way. So I've got to wake up before them so I can set (laughs) the the expectation of the day. But if they wake up first, it's kind of like, oh, my goodness, we're playing defense the rest of the day. I feel the same way with prayer. When I wake up early and spend time with God, I feel like I'm on the offense now. And I'm not playing defense. And, and so you must be still. Somebody say, be still. Uh, that means go somewhere and sit somewhere and simply be still. Be silent. And just sit there. Now, it's going to take a minute for your mind to calm down. 
It's going to take a minute for your thoughts to subside. It's going to take a minute for those things you got going on to really just stop. But you're going to have to sit there long enough so that you can be still. Somebody say, be still. And as you are sitting there still, silent, what you're really doing is honoring the presence of the Lord. If I were to step into a room filled with people that I respect, you know, I I don't know who it may be. Think of someone that you greatly respect, that you would love to meet, and you greatly respect them, and you go into their presence. You don't want to walk into their presence like a like and doing all the talking and saying all this stuff and you you don't want to go into their presence that way if you honor and revere and respect them you want to go in there silent and then let them greet you right let them recognize you let them say hi i've been in some places uh in people's um you know offices and and homes of, of some great men and women of God. And when I walk into the room, I'm not going there and say, I don't do that. I, I stay real quiet. I go in, I'm usually standing like this with my hands behind my back, and I'll stand there really, really quiet. And then they'll say something. Hey, how are you? What's your name? Whatever the case may be. Then I'll begin to talk. I didn't come in there loud because I honored the presence that they possess. I honored and respected their capabilities, their accomplishments, their experience. And so I came in there silent. When you approach God, approach him just with silence. And then let him talk first. I'm convinced this S in start is one of the most important aspects of prayer. Because if you will sit still long enough, God will begin to talk to you about you. See, what happens is we're too busy, upset, and and we're in a season, uh, I don't know what's going on, but I feel like more Christians are offended and upset than ever before. I feel like, I mean, just little things happen and they just hurt, upset. My feelings are hurt. Um, You hurt me. I'm, I'm hurt. I'm upset. I'm thinking, if you can just spend time with God and just sit, And be still, God will begin to talk to you about you. He'll begin to share with you, this is your fault. This is your pride. Come on, somebody. We don't don't want to hear that, though. We don't want to hear that. We want to blame somebody else. We want to be the victim, and it's somebody else's fault, and he shouldn't have said that to you. Listen, people going to say stuff to you. You can't stop them. It is your responsibility if you're going to allow yourself to stay hurt about it or not. It is your responsibility to say, I'm not going to be offended by that. I'm not going to be upset by that. That, I, I, that hurt me, and guess what? I forgive them. It is in these moments when you're silent, God will begin to talk to you about you. Matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 25, I'm going to read it real quick. We don't have it on the screen. Mark, not, not Matthew. Mark chapter 11 and verse 25. Listen to this. Verse 25 says, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, blame them. No, it doesn't say that. If you have anything against anyone, it's their fault. What what does it say there? Forgive them. So I'm praying, and I got something against somebody. I'm supposed to forgive them. That your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. So in the, in the moment that I have ought against other, and I've had opportunity to have ought against a lot of folks, okay? I've had opportunities to be upset. I've had opportunities to, and rightfully so, to be angry, to lash back, to do all types of things. If I sit in the presence of the Lord long enough, I'm going to actually have to forgive by being in his presence. He's not going to allow that offense to stand between me and him. Because really, when you're offended, you are off-ended. You have cut yourself off. And God won't stand for it. He doesn't want you. He doesn't want to be cut off from you. So he's going to tell you, you're going to have to forgive. Somebody say, I forgive. Say it again, I forgive. Say it one more time, I forgive. 
Now, I need to talk a little bit about forgiveness, if I can. I didn't plan on it, but I got to talk a little bit about it. Some of you are forgiven folks that have never hurt you. And that's not the appropriate way where forgiveness is concerned. For example, um, Will Smith slapped Chris Rock. Oh, I forgive Will Smith. Will Smith didn't hurt you. I'm mad at Will Smith. I hate him. He slapped that man across the I hate him. He, he didn't hurt you. You don't have to forgive him. He didn't do anything to you. If someone hurts you, now you have the basis for forgiveness. And what we hear is, uh, we hear this a lot. I didn't plan on talking about it, but I sense going this direction. But we hear this a lot that, well, you know, um, somebody beat you, you know, they beat your, somebody, you know, beat your dog up, and, and I'm supposed to, uh, no, my neighbor's dog got beat up over there, and I hate that man over there. That, that has nothing to do with you. What, what is going on with you? What, what is happening to you? We're carrying too many other people's cares. I'm talking to somebody in the sound of my voice. We are, you are carrying someone else's pain, and you're not designed to do that. You're not designed to carry someone else's pain. You're not designed to be upset at someone else that hasn't hurt you. You forgive when someone affects you. That's when I say, okay, I forgive. They didn't mean it that way. This, this is the thing I say a lot when someone says something to me or hurts me or, 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 you know, anything to me, harms me. I'll say something along these lines. What else could it be? What else could it be? Did, maybe they had a bad day. Maybe they're going through something. Maybe there's something in their life I'm unaware of. Maybe they didn't mean it the, that way. Maybe, just maybe, I'm taking it the wrong way. Maybe I'm receiving it in a way that I'm not supposed to receive it in. And I'll ask myself that. What else could it be? And once I go through all those lines of questionings, I realize that person didn't mean to hurt me. Say, you know, that person didn't mean to offend me. That person didn't mean to say and do things against me. I, the way I received it was that way. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take Mark 11:25 and I'm going to forgive. When I'm in the presence of the Lord and before I get into my requests and those kind of things, I'm going to forgive. Somebody say, I forgive. If you have a heart to forgive, you are humble. It takes humility in order to forgive. Prideful people cannot forgive, but humble people will forgive. And that's one of the things, when I sit in the presence of the Lord, once I've calmed down and my thoughts stop moving around, I'm just sitting there silently, and my wife will tell you this is very hard for me to do. Just sit there is very, very hard. I've got my leg moves, or she's like, just sit, stop moving, just sit. You're moving. I'm like, oh, man, and, and then somehow, and I, I encourage you to move your phone out the way because your arm will automatically, without you telling it to, grab the phone and start looking at ESPN or your bank account or something crazy like that. Just move your phone and just sit there. I cross my legs, sometimes my arms, and I just sit there. And as I sit, all the thoughts start, start subsiding, and then I'll think, man, that person hurt me. And I forgive them. I forgive them. Uh, this happened. You know, I forgive them. And then the Lord will begin to tell you in this moment of silence and being still, he'll begin to tell you things you need to do today. Don't forget it's your brother's birthday today. That's the Lord telling you that. Don't forget to unload that dishwasher, teenagers. That's, that's, uh, that's the Lord telling you that. Uh, remember, remember to call this person, or he might throw someone's name in your mind. I need to send them a text. I need to reach out to them. I'm That's the Lord. As you're still, he's telling you. He's telling you these things, what to do as you sit there still. And I encourage you because it says that most people only pray for less than seven minutes a day. I encourage you to sit for seven minutes. That's your, that's your deadline right there. That's your goal. I'm going to sit here for seven minutes. If you're married, Honey, you know, I'm going to wake up early tomorrow, 
and I'm going to go spend time with the Lord. Now, don't do it during, men, don't do it during bath time. Oh, honey, I'm going to go spend time with the Lord. No, you need to help the kids get bathed, praise the Lord. But I'm going to spend some time with God. And you just sit there, and the Lord begin to talk to you. And then he'll begin to talk to you about things that have hurt you. And you'll say, you know, I forgive. You know, that did hurt me. I forgive. I let it go. Um, in Acts chapter 3, verse 19, this will begin to happen. In Acts chapter 3, in verse 19, it says here, Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Look what happens when you sit still. Times of refreshing. You begin to be renewed and refreshed and revitalized because you're sitting in the presence of the Lord. Just sitting still will, will heal aches and pains and hurts. Sitting still and spending time with God will cause you to, to leave that place full of new energy. But I'm convinced that distractions is one of the greatest weapons of the enemy. And I'm convinced he is able to distract us even more so that we cannot sit. But if we would eliminate the distractions, and people can be a distraction too, people used by the enemy, whether intentionally or unintentionally, they, maybe they know they're being used, maybe they don't. They're being a distraction. They could cause you to not simply just sit still. And know that I'm God. There was one particular time I was working in corporate America. And I just planned just to talk to you this morning. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to preach at you. I just want to talk to you. And I was working in corporate America. And this, uh, you may have heard me tell this story. This guy, uh, he, you know, he was, he was playing the dozens and, you know, calling, calling everybody names. He started calling me names. And I didn't want to hear that mess. And, and then I ended up calling him a name. Forgive me. I wasn't pastoring then. But I ended up calling him a name. Well, supposedly he got, he got really mad. Got really mad about it. Then he acted like he wanted to fight. I said, well, I, I want to fight too, okay? So you want to fight? I wasn't acting right, okay? So I didn't spend the time that morning with the Lord, okay? And I, I need to. I will. I will going forward. And I was like, okay, hey, you know, we're going to fight and this and that. And, and we kind of got into it. And long story short, I went to church that next Sunday, and I, I told a, a friend of mine at church, I said, man, I got into it with a guy at work, man. We was about to fight right there on the floor. I mean, he said to call me a name. I called him a name, and we was about to go back and forth. And he said something to me that just pricked my heart. He said, you know, the devil is behind this. And I was really looking at the person. It's this person. He said, you know, the enemy's behind this. The enemy got in him to cause you to respond in a certain way that you never intended to respond. And I thought, that's it. He goes, let's bind the enemy. And so when these people that are causing distractions in your life, it's not them. It's the devil. The devil has found a way to manipulate them, to irk you and prick you and, and be a thorn in your flesh. And you got to remember, nope, nope, nope. I spent time with the Lord. And I've got refreshed today. And I'm not going to let that happen. I'm going to be like a duck. And I'm going to let the water just roll off my back. Come on, somebody say Amen. Somebody say, be still. That's what we got to do. Be still and we got to be silent. And once we are at a position and a posture that we are comfortable enough to move on to the next T, which is be thankful. We got we to gotta have thanksgiving. So we're silent. Now we're going to get into thanksgiving. We're going to begin to thank God for what he's already done for us. Begin to thank him for, you know, various things that just come to mind. It doesn't have to be a script. Whatever comes to mind, begin to thank him for your health and your strength and wisdom and, and knowledge and understanding and, and the ability to accomplish things and thank him for um, a bed to sleep in and, and, and thank him for your family and, and thank him for that, that you have food and for good friends. And I'll begin, lately I've been thanking God for good friends. Well, I don't know if you know, but uh, it ain't nothing like having good friends. I was telling Stacy, I got friends now, if I need $10,000, I could call them and they'll say, man, we got you. That's a good friend. A good friend. If they didn't have $10,000, they had $10, they'll give me the 10 A good friend that you can 
can thank God for, thank God for the friends that he's placed in my life. And, and I thank God for you and, and all the people he's called to be a part of true life. I, I just spend time just thanking God because thanksgiving is the language of faith and the theme of prayer. Did you get that? Thanksgiving is the language of faith and the theme of prayer. The theme of prayer is thanksgiving. And so you just begin to thank God, and you'll get caught up just thanking God. And maybe you do need to write some things down so that you'll know there ain't nothing wrong with reading your prayers either. Don't Get away from that. Nothing wrong with that. I write a lot of prayers out. And you begin to write them out and just read them and thank God and spend time just thanking him. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And when you begin to express and demonstrate and show thanksgiving, you will, you will go into another level of the presence of God than when you were just sitting silent. You'll go to another level. And once you hit that level of thanksgiving, then the A in start is you'll begin adoration, which is worship. You begin to worship and you begin to praise and you begin to talk about his uh, magnificence, and you begin to discover his grace, and you begin to just worship his holiness and the beauty thereof, and you begin to talk about his mercy, and he becomes big in your eyes, and you begin to decrease, and he begins to increase, and you make him big in your eyes, and your problems then become small, and he becomes large. And when you begin to worship and praise him, he gets bigger in your eyes. Not that he gets bigger in, in, you know, in the natural. He's already big, but in your eyes, he gets bigger. It's like a magnifying glass. How many of you, I don't know when the last time I used one, but I remember in school we used to use them, and you have this magnifying glass, and the object, when you put the magnifying glass, gets bigger. The object gets bigger through the magnifying glass. The object really is the same, but through the magnifying glass, you see it a lot bigger. That's the same way when you begin to worship God, you begin to see him a whole lot bigger than you saw him before. Come on, somebody say, I worship God. You begin to thank him. You begin to praise him. You begin to give him glory. You know, let's just take 20 seconds now. Thank you, Lord. Give him praise. Give him glory. Hallelujah. We give you praise. You're large. You're big. You can do anything. You can take care of everything. You can handle anything. There's nothing too hard for you. We give you praise. You are not a man that can lie. You are God and nobody else is. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. How many of you already feel better? Just, I mean, I'm telling you, it just affected your body, affected your soul. You just gave him some praise, made him big, and then your problems got small because he got big through the magnifying glass in your eyes. And you can just stay right there and just begin to worship him. And I encourage you, some of you do need to write out some things where uh, adoration is concerned. Go through the scriptures. And find out what Scripture says about him. He is love, and he is light, and he is strong, and he is the door of the sheep, and he is a consuming fire. And you begin to say these things and begin to see, my goodness, what I'm going through is nothing compared to what my father has. It's nothing. He can take care of anything. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm excited today, glory to God. He's big. I said he's big. Yes, he is. And he's large and he can handle anything. Say this, my God can handle anything. He can get to me anything from anyone, anywhere, at any time. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Begin to just adore him. So you, you were silent for about seven minutes. And you can put your little timer on. I don't care about that. And you're silent, and then you begin to thank God for what he's done, and then you begin to adore him and worship him. And then 
the next one. Oh, before I go to the next one, let's go to Matthew chapter 15, I believe. Is that the next one, guys? Matthew chapter 15. Yep, and meet me at verse 21. Listen to this real quick. Matthew chapter 15, and uh, we're going to read 21 to 28. It says, Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. Look at the next verse. But he answered her, not a word. Jesus answered her, not a word. And the disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, worshipped him, worshipped him. She came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Look at verse 28. And she said, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs from which fall from their master's table. Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith, and let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed that very hour. Here's the takeaway I want you to see in this passage of Scripture. The first time she approached Jesus, she said, have mercy on me or basically do something for me. And Jesus didn't even respond because the approach wasn't the right way. And then it says she came back and she worshiped him. Now we're in the right approach. And then she made a request, and her, and her daughter was healed that very hour. The approach is necessary. You just don't run up on God like you're about to fight him. God, you better do this for me right now. You, who do you think you are? We're talking about God. You come to him with respect and reverence and thanksgiving and adoration then the R is you make your request. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 tells us here, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, which is request, with thanksgiving, let your request, there it is again, be made known to God. So, I, I've, I've, I've sat silent before him. I've thanked him. I've worshiped him. Now I have requests. Whatever the requests may be, whatever it is, he is not afraid of your requests. Ask big. Ask in behalf of someone else. Ask uh, in behalf of yourself. Just ask big. Let your requests be made known. He didn't even put a limit to what you can request. Ask big. Ask big requests. Don't ask him things that you can do by yourself. Lord, I just, I pray you help me eat dinner tonight. No, you, you can do that without God. Ask something big. I've been asking big requests lately. Just big stuff. Stuff that when it happens, I had look back and say, only God could do this. I could not do this on my own. I've been asking God to, to put me in places of different types of people. Influential people, certain people I've wanted to meet. Lord, find a way, connect, make a way for me to meet this particular person. And everybody that I've ever asked the Lord to do that with, I've actually met. Because God is no respecter of persons. He will do what he says if the approach is correct. Are y'all listening to me today? God's not a, uh, you know, he's not a, you know, magician. Or who's that, who's that person on that movie states that Zavin was in? That genie. What's his name? He's not no genie. That's the word. Huh? Yeah, yeah, whatever you're saying. I can't hear you. But he's not a genie. He's not a genie or a magician. I mean, he's not someone that, you know, I'm just going to go to him and do, 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 do. Here comes a magic trick. No. You got to be saved. You got to know how to hear from him. But that's why the silence is so important, so he can speak to you first. Then you begin to be thankful. You begin to worship. Now you can ask your request and make the request big. 
Ask him big and watch God do for you what he's always wanted to do for you. First John chapter 5, verse 14. I'll read that real quick. First John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. It'll be on the screen. We got a great team. First John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. Listen to this. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Come on, somebody say amen. Whatever he asks, according to his will. According to his will means according to his word. If you can find it in the word, it's his will. And you ask him, and the scripture tells us here, we have what we ask for. So now we're in this place that we've requested. And then the last T is we are to thank him in advance. So we wrap all of this up by thanking him in advance. So at this moment, we begin to just thank him in advance. Whatever the request is, Lord, my back is hurting. And, and I ask you to heal my back according to your word. Jesus healed them all. I am one of the all. And if you heal them all, then he heals me too. Lord, my back, I ask you to heal my back. And while your back is still hurting, now you moved on to thank you, Lord, for healing my back. But your back's in pain. I'm thanking him in advance because First John says I can ask according to his will, and he hears us, and I can have what I've asked for. Thank you, Lord, that my back is healed. Thank you that I can stand up straight. Thank you that I have no pain. Thank you that I can run and not walk. Thank you that I can fly. Woo, glory to God. And you put your back still hurting. I'm thanking him in advance. I'm thanking him. In, I'm praising him in advance. I'm giving him the glory in advance. This is what faith is all about. It's not, you see, if we can see it already, we don't need faith. But because we can't see it, then we need faith to believe it's happening even if we don't see it. Woo, glory to God thanking him in advance. I love what Mark 11, I believe it's chapter 11, verse 24. Mark chapter 11 and verse 24. I, I love this because when you begin to thank him in advance, you begin to see what you've thanked him for. Look, watch this. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. So what am I supposed to do? Well, I prayed about that. I'm just, oh, Lord, I just pray that, you know, that you uh, help me on this test. I'm about to take this test, and I pray you help me on this test. And you get out of prayer. I don't know if he's going to help me on this test. You know, I don't know. I just don't know if he is. I study, but I don't know if I'm going to get the Lord's help. No, no, no. You didn't believe that you received. At this moment, Lord, help me with this test. Help me with this interview. Help me with this meeting. Help me with in this conversation. Help me with my mother. Help me with my father. Help me with my daughter-in-law. Help me with my mother-in-law. You, and then you, you leave there thinking, the Lord is helping me. He's helping me. I believe I receive. He's helping me right now. He's helping me. He's, he's in this conversation. He's going to tell me what to say and what to do. He's helping me. He's helping me. I remember this passage of the scripture came so alive for Stacy and I back in 2016 or 17, somewhere around there. Stacy came to me in, in January um, and she says, I want to go to Vegas. I've never been to Vegas, and I just want to go. I want to see some of the shows. It looks a lot of fun. I mean, I want to go. I said, well, Vegas is not in the budget. So if we're going to go to Vegas, you're going to have to ask the Lord. And I said it in a way like, you're going to have to ask the Lord, and don't talk to me about it no more because we're not going, right? That's kind of the way I said it. You're going to have to ask the Lord. If that's a vacation you want to go on, it's not in our budget this year, you're going to have to ask the Lord. She said, I will. I said, well, you better because we're not going because it's not in the budget this year. Three months later, I end up connecting with the guy, and I helped this guy through some, uh, just some counseling and, and, and working with him and, and helping him through some life things. And all of a sudden, he calls me a couple of months later, and he says to me, he says, hey, I want to fly you and your wife to Vegas. All expense paid. I'm going to cover everything. I just want to fly y'all to Vegas over the weekend. When do, do y'all want to go? I was thinking these dates because I'll be in Vegas too. Uh, we can go these dates. I was like, oh, are you serious? 
Yes. <laughs> he said, yeah, I just want to do something because you really helped me. And, and just don't worry about money. I'm going to cover everything. And, and come on with us. And I ran to Stacy. I said, Stacy, you won't believe this. She said, yes, I will. What, what's going on? You know, hey, we believers, right? Matter of fact, take out of your vocabulary, I don't believe that. Just take it out because we're believers. Now, if it's a lie, don't believe the lie. But I'm talking about the word of God. So, I said, she, I said, you know, so-and-so called me and said he wants to pay for us to go to Vegas. All expense paid. We don't have to pay for anything. He wants to go. She said, I asked the Lord to go to Vegas. And we began to thank God right at that moment. We were like, thank you, Lord. We're going to Vegas. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. And we got excited about it because this is what she had prayed for. We began to thank God, began to thank God, began to thank God. Now watch this, watch this, watch this. Not one ticket was paid for. We're thanking God, and he ain't even bought the ticket yet. We're thanking God, and we don't even have a hotel yet. We're thanking God and he hasn't even sent us a confirmation number yet. So if I can trust this man who had the resources to do this, I knew he had the resources to do it, if I can trust his word uh, from a, a man who is flawed, <laughs> we, all of us are, you know, human, can lie. If I can trust him and begin to get excited about what he said, and we started going shopping and getting excited, and we got sitters, and we booked the dates out. We ain't got no ticket, no hotel room. We've already booked everything out. If I can get excited about a man telling me that, how much more can you get excited about what God is telling you? This is a man that could lie. He could have lied and said, you know what, I lied. And what, what, what would I have done? Well, shoot, I trusted you, man, but you lied. But God cannot lie. So if you find it in his word and you ask him for it, you just begin to thank him for it because it's already done. Somebody shout, it's already done. Say it again, it's already done. Say it louder, it's already done. It's already done. Now it's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time because I sat silent and I began to thank God and I began to worship God. And then I let my request be made known to him. And now I'm thanking him in advance. It's already done. And I leave that time of prayer and, and quiet time with the Lord. Maybe it's 15 minutes. And this is maybe even before I even crack the Bible open necessarily. This is just spending time with the Lord in prayer. This is what we're to do more in 24. We're to spend more time with God this year. He's going to share some things with you. He's going to give you the desires of your heart. Now watch this. The desires that he gives you will be the desires of your heart, but he's going to actually give you the desire. Now, are you listening to me? So that desire you have has been given by God. When, when Stacy said, I want to go to Las Vegas, somebody said, that's not a good desire. I don't know. It happened. It happened, so God calls it to happen. Where did she get that idea from? Maybe she got it from the Lord because it happened. Now, we didn't go out there and gamble and get drunk. Some of y'all look at Did you go out there? First of all, it's none of your business, but I didn't do that. Number two, no, we didn't do that. We just went out there and just had a good time with a friend that paid for our trip. Glory to God. That's it. What God will give you the desire. So even in those moments of requesting, if you've been communion and fellowshipping with God, he's going to give you the desire. And whatever you're asking is actually from him. He's saying, I'm so glad you asked. It's like when my, my children, Dad, can you help me with this homework? Oh, there's so much other stuff I want to do, but I'm so glad they asked. Oh, oh I'm glad you asked. Yeah, I'm going to help you with that. Come on, let's talk about it. I believe God is just waiting for us to ask. If it's according to his will, he's waiting for us to ask. And then we just thank him in advance. That's the key. Begin to thank God in advance. We, for years, were thanking God in advance about Zai's college being paid for. You know what I'm talking about. 
in advance. For years, we're like, we thank you, Lord, that Zah's going to get a scholarship, a full academic scholarship. We told Zah she has to do what she needs to do. You got to get good, 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 good grades, stay out of trouble, all that stuff. But you do what you need to do. We're going to do our part. We're going to believe God, and we're going to thank him. And so every day, we would begin to thank, thank you, Lord, that Zah's college is paid for. Thank you, Lord, that Zah's college is paid for. Zah gets a full academic scholarship. We give you praise for it. She, she's a freshman in high school. We're thanking the Lord for a scholarship. She's a sophomore. We're thanking the Lord for She's a junior. We're thanking her senior. Then her senior year, she applies for 13 different colleges, gets accepted into all of them, and now she has a choice where she wants to go, and one of them offered her a full ride, and now they're sending her to Italy for a whole semester. Praise God. Full academic scholarship, no money out of my pocket. Look what the Lord has done. Hallelujah. You got to begin to thank God right now for whatever it is you believe in him for. You got to begin to thank God. Just thank him for whatever it is. I thank you, that, my, but I'm healed in my body right now. I am healed right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you that I have that money that's necessary in Jesus' name. I thank you that Pookie gave his life to the Lord. That's right. In this year, Pookie going to give his life to the Lord. I thank you. Pookie's coming home in Jesus' name. I thank you that I find my spouse. Today's the day I meet my spouse. Today's the day I meet them, and I thank you for it. I thank you, Lord, that my kids are acting good in school, and they are speaking well, and they are acting like I taught them to act, and they're not acting crazy. I thank you that whatever issues that my child is going through, is being he's being delivered from it now. Am I the only one thanking the Lord in the house? you just begin to thank him in advance and you'll begin to see what you've been saying you ask him and you thank him in advance and this is faith this is how faith works because thanksgiving is the language of faith and it's the theme of prayer and begin to thank him in advance and god looks god looks at us and says well done this is how this works. You are thanking me before it even happened, and you're going to see results. We did this even with one of our children. Doctor said something about, oh, well, your children will never be able to do this, that, and the third. Well, we got in the Word. We found some verses. Lord, your Word says that our children are made in your image, and you brought them here. And I know the doctor says they're not going to be able to do this and that, but your word says this. We begin to pray the word, and we begin to thank God over the word, and then the doctor's report begin to change. Are you listening to me? Now they come back to me, and they say something different. Well, it looks like they've advanced and doing well. They're going to be completely fine in the area of their life. Hallelujah. Now the word doesn't change, but the doctor's report can change. Glory to God. I'm showing you how to get victory in Jesus' name. This is how you experience true life. You have been listening to the ministry of Devon Alexander, pastor of True Life Fellowship Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more information, go to our website at www.truelifefc.org. You can also support this ministry financially through our website. Thank you, and remember to love, learn, live, and lead.